Dissonance Media and the Other Stories presents Step into the abyss of After the Gloaming, a gothic fiction podcast that delves into the depths of human emotion, unyielding love, revenge, internal struggles, and restless souls await you in nine haunting episodes where dread, fear, and rare glimpses of eerie happiness linger. Dare to listen on your favourite podcatcher? After the gloaming beckons, search now, but beware, innocence will be left behind. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. These aren't the stories your mother told you. No, these are the other stories. (laughs) 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 Graveyard Shift. Written by Matt Butcher. Narrated by Ian McEwan. I didn't start with night work out of any sort of preference. The first few weeks of this circadian rhythm shattering my new sleep cycle were difficult as all hell, but the pay was good and, right this moment anyway, that's all that matters. Strange how expensive your wife can be when she ain't even your wife anymore. You find yourself paying out more in child support than you did when the damn kids lived in the same house as you. And when you didn't suspect there was part of your neighbor, Carlos, in them. Just like I now know there was a part of him inside my wife. I'm the bad guy, though, of course. It's not something I even try to dispute. When I found out about Carlos, I'd gotten blind drunk on a skin full of tequila and in my drunken stupor had struck my wife so many times she'd been hospitalized. They said it was as though she'd been attacked by an animal. Sometimes when I drink, when I used to drink like that anyway, the inner beast took over. I would become this violent monster hair-trigger temper and a gap in my memory wider than the Mississippi. I was no stranger to starting a bar brawl over some lowlife giving me the hairy eyeball, or to waking up bloodied and bruised in an alleyway after a night on the liquor. There was a monster inside me, just waiting for any moment it could break free.
I've stopped drinking now, at least publicly. As the court said, I had to be sober if I ever wanted to see my kids again. And believe me, I do. So very much. So much so, in fact, that I've taken this night job as a security guard. It's through an agency, so the work varies month to month. Currently, I'm stationed on a construction site. The job's easy, save for the change in sleep patterns. I just have to watch the CCTV monitors and make sure there are no teenagers messing about around the site, daring each other to climb over the fence or whatever. Or any drunks looking for somewhere to sleep off the inebriated mess they've gotten themselves into mess I would have likely found myself in were I still drinking in such unhealthy volumes. It's peaceful, mostly. I've only had a couple of run-ins with rebellious teens trying to spray paint their names against the newly built walls, and one instance of a vagrant pissing against the perimeter fence. Everything else has felt like I'm just stealing these folks' money. Whatever helps them sleep sounder at night, I guess. This site is set to be a fancy, private, residential estate out in the wilderness. It's just far enough out of the city to be quiet as the grave, but near enough to civilization to still reap the benefits of all its amenities. The sort of place rich people would live to be one with nature, but also near enough to a 7-Eleven to run and get milk or bread or whatever, whenever they needed it. In truth, they just wanted to live in a neighborhood where they were guaranteed neighbors in their pay grade. This shitty night job was undoubtedly the only time I'd ever been in a place this nice. When I'd accepted the role, a monthly rolling contract for as long as the construction took, my line manager had warned me about eco-warriors or tree-hugging hippies may be trying to stage some sort of protest as the ownership of the land was under some sort of contest. No one was in agreement if it constituted part of a nearby reservation or not. A lengthy court case loomed, but suddenly disappeared. The last I'd heard was that it had been settled out of court. Money solves all problems if you have enough of I kind of wish those hippies would try to break in, if I'm honest. The nights are really starting to drag on without anything but my old radio to keep me company. Phone signals are non-existent, and the TV I tried to bring here barely seems to get any reception at all. None of this will be a problem for the future residents of this expensive estate, of course. Cables will bring the fastest broadband internet and crystal clear pictures of the latest game. Taking out a hip flask, I glance around to make sure no one on this ghost town of construction site is watching, and take myself a hearty swig of the cheap tequila contained within. It burns as it travels down to my stomach, and I'm filled with a 
warm, fuzzy numbness. I figure it's not going to hurt anyone if there's no one around, right? I won't have too much anyway. Only a couple more swigs, no more. There's a flash of something on one of the CCTV monitors, but all I manage to catch in my peripheral vision is movement. Spinning around so fast I almost spill my flask, I see nothing but the cement mixer, sat motionless in a dark corner illuminated in the green, grainy glare of the camera's night vision. I find myself staring at my flask in a cliched cartoon response. I take another sip and feel my jangled nerves settle suddenly. Just as I'm settling back into my chair and my radio program, I hear a clanging. Metal on concrete, possibly, from the other side of the site. Standing bolt upright like a shot, I grab my flashlight and with the artificial courage the liquor grants me, shoot out into the night. I'm not letting any more damned teenagers break in and ruin my chance of getting more work with this agency. Every week out of employment only sets me one more week away from seeing my kids again. You got one chance to get the hell out of here, you little shits! I yell ahead in the best authoritative voice I can muster. I hold the flashlight tightly with its yellowish beam piercing the darkness ahead of me. In response to my cry, there's a shuffling somewhere ahead. Taking aim with the light, I manage to catch the end of something disappearing around a bare breeze block wall corner. It looked... I'm not sure what the hell it looked like. I take another sizable gulp from my hip flask for courage and begin to feel my blood boil. I told you, you had one fucking chance, you piece of shit, kids! I bellow into the night. My teeth begin to grind and... I feel uncomfortable in my own skin. There's too much anger in here with me. It's as though there isn't enough room for the both of us. The beast is in here with me, trying to claim my flesh for himself. Why did I bring this goddamn drink with me? So, so fucking stupid. Now, with veins full of rage, I pick up my pace around the corner to face the teenage delinquents that disturbed me from what should have been a quiet drink with only the tinny voices in my radio for company. One chance. That was all you kids. My words are cut short as I turn the corner to be confronted with something unexpected. Not kids with spray paint cans, but rather the pelt of a large wolf up 
apparently freshly skinned, scrunched up against the wall like a discarded rag. Blood seeps from it, as though it had, moments ago, been ripped from the carcass of its previous canine wearer. Using my flashlight, I unfold the hide some and find a mouthful of large fangs, all freshly plucked from a wolf's mouth. The lengths these kids have gone with this prank just makes my skin itch with anger. When I find out who did this, you'll be begging me to call the fucking cops! I shout to wherever these damn kids might be hiding, laughing to each other over how funny they are. They won't be laughing when I catch them. There's another shuffling noise somewhere inside one of the partially constructed houses, and I march with dangerous intent in the sound's direction. I barge through the thick plastic dust sheets, swinging my flashlight ahead of me like a club. It splashes the bare brick surfaces with brief light, like lightning flashes in the heart of a storm. As I push through the final plastic sheet, the beam of my flashlight briefly illuminates, again, not the kids I was expecting, but rather something far more unpleasant and surreal. Bringing my light back to center on the figure hunched in the corner of the room, I get to see him in uncomfortable detail. This man turns to face me and lock eyes with mine. His gaze sets my heart still as stone. I can't move. The figure stands up. He's a proud six feet tall and continues to stare. He's completely naked despite the chill of the night breeze. Not only this, but he's covered in semi-congealed yet fresh blood, the stench of which fills my nostrils with a thick, metallic stink. He stretches as though he's just woken up and takes an awkward step towards me. What? What do you want? I finally managed to utter. I'm surprisingly non-confrontational. I think the sight of this stark, naked, hulking man has sobered me up no end. You, you do not belong here. This land is not yours to build your homes on. He rasps in a thick and distinct Native American accent. What do you mean? This is... Our land. All of it is. But this land is special to us. It is sacred. Feeling my courage return some, I managed to defend myself. Hey man, I just work here. None of that is my fault. I didn't buy the land or choose to build here. His expression hardens, cracking some of the blood that had begun to dry on his face. 
You are not innocent in this. No one involved is. I let out a chuckle. This eco-terrorist's protest has gone on far enough. Listen, I get that you're pissed about the rich pieces of shit that are going to live here, but I ain't the one to complain to. I take a step towards the bloodied man and, with my free hand, reach out to grab his arm. That's enough fun for one night, though. It's time to go home to whatever the fuck commune you hippies live on round here. The bloodied man backs up a step, just out of my reach. You misunderstand. I'm not what you think I am. And this is not a protest. It is a demand. He snarls through his teeth. I thought you tree-hugging guys didn't resort to violence, I chuckle. Something in his eyes seems to change. Something that's lurking behind them like a burning, primal rage. I am not what you think I am, he declares in a low tone. I am a skinwalker. And this is my land to protect. I had heard of skinwalkers before this. Native American shamans who wore the pelts of animals to mimic them, and thus give the illusion of shape-shifting. It was, of course, nothing but an illusion, though. There was no magic behind them, only disguise and misdirection. Sure, this bloodied man's protest was more personal than some eco-terrorist, but there was still no true threat, not to a staunch realist like myself. Look, I get that this is personal or whatever, I try to reason with the bloodied man, but I still ain't the person to complain to. I can't change a damned thing. His expression twists into a sinister smile. Sure you can. You can serve as an example. Something seems to change in his eyes. It's subtle at first, like the first sign of insanity, but soon this change becomes physical. His pupils pulsate as though in spasm before stretching vertically into slits. The whites of his eyes taint to a sickly yellow hue and his bloodied face contorts into a display of anguish. A spine-tingling snap sends a shiver straight through me. Further cracking bones mark fresh jagged deformities jutting out from the man's face pushing his cheekbones out and his nose forwards into an elongated snout. As it breaks and reforms further into a shape more recognizable and wolf-like, his human teeth are pushed free from his warping gums, only to be replaced by hooked 
toothed canine fangs that emerge from beneath. Snapping over forwards, the man's spine breaks and lengthens, pushing him forwards awkwardly onto all fours. His back legs snap into their new shape, and the bloodied human skin begins to degrade and tear, slipping away to reveal the new, coarsely-haired form that has taken shape below it. Soon, The skinwalker's new wolf form tears loose from the human skin shell like some butterfly freeing itself from its cocoon. Wrenching its head back, cracking the final vertebrae into place, it howls into the quiet night. One last shake from the wolf's head down to its tail, shedding the remaining viscera from its fur, and the creature sets its piercing yellow eyes on me. It's... it's not my fault! I desperately try to plea to ears I fear can't understand me anymore. The wolf snarls and lunges towards me with inhuman speed. I feel its jaws wrap tightly around my thigh, teeth tearing deep into my flesh. The wolf pulls back sharply, taking the chunk of my leg with it clamped in its clenched maw. Collapsing onto my rear, I look down to find my leg now torn down to the fatty tissue. Thick blood begins to seep through the yellowish fatty lumps to gush down my leg, thick as molasses. As I slip into unconsciousness, I'm troubled with a thought. Am I dying? Or am I to become a beast like this wolf man? Perhaps it's what I've always been, deep down. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Other Stories. Graveyard Shift was written by Matthew Butcher, narrated by Ian McEwen, edited by Carl Hughes, and music by Math Bonus and Tom Robson. Time is seriously running out now. We're giving away five signed copies of The Other Stories, volumes 10 to 12 collection, so if you want to be in with a chance to win, head over to www.hawkandcleaver.com forward slash competition, answer the questions there, and leave your contact email address. As always, a massive thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver. You guys help keep the lights on and keep us smiling and producing new episodes. So if you're thinking about joining the party, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash hawk and cleaver and pledge from as little as one pound. Until next time.